0: Hello, welcome to I Guess We're Grown Ups Now, a podcast about navigating adulthood. I'm Carrie Halstead. Today's episode is about being a responsible person when it comes to your community and getting involved to some degree or other in the political system. The quote of the episode is from cartoonist and essayist Tim Kreider from his book We Learn Nothing. If you manage to make it to some semblance of adulthood, just showing up, turns out to be one of the kindest, most selfless things you can do for someone. That statement, I think, applies to just showing up to be part of how your city works. Just show up and vote. Just show up when your city asks for feedback. Just show up and shovel your sidewalk. My acknowledgement of the episode is to my parents. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for raising me to be a voter, even if you think my politics are wrong now. My guest tonight is Hillary Nelson, a woman I met a few years ago on Twitter. She is sharp-witted, opinionated and funny, and tolerates no bullshit. She is inspiring to me because her interests are varied, and she genuinely likes investigating stuff and sharing what she learns. She looks at things with the goal of finding out what's interesting, where the rest of us just glance and see only the mundane. Case in point, here's our conversation about municipal politics. Links for the things we talk about are at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash eight. Theme music? Nope. All right. Welcome to the show. This is Carrie. Tonight
1: with me, we have Hilary Nelson. Hi, Hilary. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in Saskatoon, and I have a lot of free time, apparently, that I spend um, watching municipal politics. (laughs) And talking about municipal politics and thinking about municipal politics, basically. And talking with other people about things. Mostly about the city. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I started following you on Twitter because you twi- you Twitter, you tweet a lot. And yes. it's usually funny and it's often about the city. And, <laughs> and uh, it's interesting to see somebody who's very interested. I mean, you're not... Um, directly involved like you're not a city employee you're not on council no. but, but you involve yourself which is more than what most people do
1: yeah and there's actually kind of funny bits like I've gotten more active and stuff on Twitter and like especially now I'm interested in like, like Toronto you know Toronto city politics and stuff like that and what's kind of funny is that sort of across Canada there's a bunch of Hillary's in every city there's like a ton of them who are really good in Toronto and that I follow all the time and so I i don't really feel like I'm an outlier. There's actually these other, you know, smart, funny women who are doing a lot of the same things that I do or way, way before I started doing it either, so.
0: What's your earliest memory of wanting to be involved in civics or municipal politics or what have you?
1: Well, it's just, like, I started working at a place that does uh, wood, we do do some election material campaign materials stuff like that and I also started working with you know people who like to talk about the news and what was going on in the news and that sort of thing so before I started doing that I didn't really pay too much attention to the news I was like 22 and you remember how you were you're 22 you're pretty much just obsessed with yourself really yeah. and uh you know where you're gonna party next and uh So I started reading the news and, like, becoming more knowledgeable about stuff. And then as you become more knowledgeable about things, people ask you stuff. And which forces you to find out more, you know, answers to stuff like that sort of thing. And then we had, you know, candidates coming in and calling to order stuff. And so you'd come in and see a little, like, a little sort of glimpse of how some political campaigns were run. Some were better than others. (laughs) It was just kind of interesting just to to see like it was just a very totally different lifestyle than what I have and what I grew up with even my day job is pretty you know like I work nine to five I go home I don't do anything I don't do any work after five o'clock I go home and shut off I also kind of got interested like I started reading the, the city agendas and stuff like that and it was just sort of a form of homework I suppose like I've I've liked I'm a good student I like going to school I like you know reading and discussing stuff with people and you know hashing stuff out so I was finding out all this stuff from the city agendas that people weren't necessarily talking about there's there's only so much you can talk about in the paper that sort of thing and Mm -hmm. stuff that was personally interesting to me so I started talking about that on Twitter and blogging and and stuff like that and people writing in letters of course the city council is the one thing I really enjoyed it's just sort of opened up a way into other stuff like you know I'd I'd come across something I didn't know about so I'd look it up right and then I knew something about that so and then people would start asking me well what's up with this what's up with the city of this you know and so I (laughs) became a sort of like unofficial portal it's like the study group where you're the only person who's actually studied Yeah. yeah 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 well I was like I'm the oldest of five too so I'm quite bossy and didactic as well which doesn't help and so people were like, long before this, I was always the one who was like, can you edit my thesis? You know, that sort of thing. I'm used to being a an information point, I suppose. Nice, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting
0: that your personality um, sort of found a home in having this kind of role in your community.
1: Yeah, and like a Lenore assistant asked me when I was on CFCR, she's like, so you're not doing this for money or anything <laughs> like that? I'm like, no, I'm not. And a lot of people think I'm kind of stupid because I'm not doing this for money. I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I make enough for my day job that I'm, I'm okay. But I don't, I don't necessarily use a lot of my brain <laughs> during my day right. job. sorry, yeah. bosses. <laughs> but uh, so all of the extra stuff, like I was reading the agendas and stuff like that. So I had something to chew over in my brain while I would be at work. And like, that's, you know, just to talk about throughout the day. So I could keep my brain, you know, occupied
0: So, how often does Saskatoon City Council put out an agenda? How is that twice a month or once a month? Well,
1: it's well they reorganized it this year, so there's a couple of different. I still haven't got the new organizational way totally down yet. I actually haven't been reading the agendas and stuff lately. Basically, there's four committees that meet, and then. Either stuff gets solved at the committees. I think they actually, they live stream all of them now, so you can watch them. They happen during the day. So sometimes I listen to them at work when I think I can get away with it. Anyways, either stuff gets solved at those committees, or it gets bumped, or some stuff can only be decided at a council committee, or at a city council meeting. So it gets put on the city council agenda, or stuff gets bumped to the city council agenda. And then they have a city council meeting, I think is now once a month, and that's from one till six, and then, then I think they have public hearings after six o'clock. Now it's on usually on a Monday. The the schedule is on the website, right. which is hopefully up whenever you guys are listening to this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to what extent is city council in charge of what happens in the city? Like, how much of our experience of living in the city is actually a direct result of what happens? In council meetings and, and committee meetings?
1: Well, the council does decide a lot. There's a couple of different ways the power is sort of weighted, I suppose. And I could be totally wrong on this. I hope you get to interview like a counselor who'd be like, Hillary is totally wrong. She That's just a really this good idea, up. actually. I should interview a Okay. <laughs> they like to talk. Yeah, I <laughs> bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's like the mayor, there's the city manager, there's city council. And there's like the the city clerk and the city solicitor. So city council has a lot of power in that they can veto stuff that's recommended by the administration. The administration has to go and do all the research and bring it up and then city council votes on it. But it's also a lot of powers held by the people who determine what gets onto the city council's docket for them to vote on. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure how some of that is decided, you know, between the city manager and the city clerk, if there's stuff being done, like, behind closed doors or, you know, if there's a procedure. If the city hall here is kind of opaque. Mm-hmm. There's not really, like, you can't go onto the website and say, well, you can you can find a diagram, but it's, you know, it just it gives you sort of an idea. It doesn't really, you know, like, if you have a complaint or stuff like that, the city is working hard to uh, sort of streamline that process, but it's still a little bit difficult, I think, to find a point of entry to see sort of how a complaint or how an issue goes through the system and eventually ends up at council. They do have a lot of power and they don't. Right. <laughs> and like as there was one, I think, executive meeting recently and an issue came up and I think Darren Hill and he wanted to put it, he wanted to have a vote or something on it and then they're like, well, we actually, there's no mechanism for getting it on adding something to the thing. Now we have to wait until the next council meeting and then you have to add it. And then it goes back into committee or something. Yeah. So I think they're still working some of the kinks out. Right. And we'll see, I guess how this new governance model sort of resolves itself.
0: I imagine every city does details like that slightly differently and they probably try to learn from each other, but, but there's no Laws saying all cities need to run the same way, is there?
1: No, well, the city of Saskatoon is governed by the City's Act or whatever the provincial equivalent of that. So the province actually kind of lays out to the city, like this is what you can legislate on, and this is what you can't legislate on. And that's right now one of the contentions that the city solicitor is figuring out is whether or not they can control the photo radar thing, right? Right, yeah. Yes. So, like, they're trying to figure out, like, is that, can we have a say in that, or is that just provincial domain, you know? So it's it's fairly straightforward in there but of course the cities act can't see stuff you know like photo radar or uber or something like that so that's why they have the city solicitor to interpret that sort of thing Hmm. correctly or incorrectly right
0: (laughs) so is working through your counselor a good way to get something done say in your neighborhood like if you see something
1: yes changing yes it is. It is. Unfortunately, it is a good way because it's rather hard on your on your counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm in Ward One, so I have Darren Hill as our counselor, and fortunately, they feel that I have a comfortable enough relationship with him that I can actually get at least like get some answers or get something put through the system because he's quite persistent with the administration. I hear. Right. But some counselors are definitely more accessible than others, and also it depends too on. What sort of circles you move in, I suppose, is is right. the way that it. Right. Uh, I hope with the new website and that sort of thing, we'll have like a single point of access to the mm-hmm. city, which would be nice. The city has a whole list of you know who to contact on the website, if you can find that page. So I have stuff like, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> like in my phone. I've got like I I know through trial and error that it's easier to call. Um, city works or public works yeah if there's any sort of like a a stop sign down or like a you know some sort of maintenance issue because they're a little quicker to respond than you know like roads or something like that
0: that's funny Uh, it's i've actually found twitter i mean mm -hmm. if i tweet at the city they'll often tell me who i should have called but they'll also say we've put in a call to them to address, yes. like, you know, the city crews left behind a sign or I think a traffic signal should be changed or something like that.
1: Yeah, like I've sent in stuff uh, like where they were fixing up the roadway behind Walmart and I was like, you know, <laughs> wanting to ask, are you guys like what's happening with this bike lane thing, which um, anyways, yeah. and I got kicked around to like five or six different people and I ended up getting fobbed off on some like summer intern junior engineer or something. So I'm sure she was so glad to talk to me, but uh like, I was just like, I, I don't even know, like, am I supposed to be talking to you? Like, I I, I don't know, but it, at the at the end of the day, it's still nicer to be talking to an engineer than it is to be talking to, like, the PR person or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Someone
0: who might actually maybe know whether something can be done.
1: Yes. Yeah. A lot of the times, too, like, when you talk to the PR person or, like, the comms and stuff, they have to go and then they have to find the thing and then they have to come back and relay it to you, too. So it's it's a lot of work <laughs> either way. And I'm not really sure sort of the best way to do it other than have like a bunch of really really smart people working the phones right, who know everyone right, <laughs> right. yeah
0: they'd have to know a lot
1: of information oh and have and, enough to get people to reply to your emails or reply to your questions in a timely fashion too
0: right and you gotta yeah. question whether somebody with that much connection connectivity to the inside do you really want them answering <laughs> phones like what a waste of their talents to be talking with the plebs it would be great but yeah. yes. Yeah. What was the original <laughs> question? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Did I answer it? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I hope sure, I I'm sure you did. Who okay. Cares? Who cares? The answers are better than the questions. Okay. How do you think internet armchair quarterbacking, how do you think that affects local politics? So for those listening who don't live in Saskatoon, we're a city of about a quarter million people. We're, we're like, caught in this we're a small town but we're trying to be a big city we're booming but we've got huge poverty problems we're a big little town
1: um Mm -hmm.
0: and odds are you're about one degree of separation from anybody else like somebody knows somebody
1: do you think that's the terrifying part
0: right (laughs) so so what's it like to be an internet person involved in conversations where you're like criticizing people who you will probably run into at the next council meeting or even just on the street <laughs> like do things get said are there regrets are there turf fights like what happened well I How haven't do you not come that's- to
1: like physical blows with anyone <laughs> that's what you're asking
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't <laughs> but now I am
1: <laughs> sometimes it would take a lot of the tension off I'm sure but uh it's I will say this, it is really easy and super fun to be an armchair internet quarterback. Right. It's so easy. It's so easy to just sit here and snipe. And it's really hard to actually get out there and do stuff. And I try to, like, I don't always, always succeed. If I'm criticizing something, I try to criticize the issue and not the person. Mm-hmm. And to make it clear, like, at the end of the day, like, uh, I may not agree with you on this or, like, here's my opinion on this, but I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect you or insult you or say that you're stupid and that, you know, outside of this issue, I still respect you, that sort of thing.
0: Right. I think and, it's really uh, important to value the people who basically put their lives on hold or put them on a really <laughs> weird track to make our city run.
1: Oh, and, like, before, before they took them out, the letters to city council... I was reading them and I have a lot of, of empathy, Mm -hmm. you know, for the politicians because these are just the letters that they can print. They have, they can't, they don't include the ones that have like direct threats or like a lot of egregious, you know, swearing and that sort of stuff. And that's, it's just like a small fraction of like the constant deluge of shit that they get every day from, from people who are angry because it's, if you're angry, you're going to contact your counselor, right? But if you're happy with something, chances are that you're probably not going to f- phone up your nearest politician and say so. Right. You, know, you might like, not even associate that with your
0: nearest politician. You probably <laughs> yes, think
1: it's some credit true. to you. and <laughs> Oh, my street's clear again. Thank you, God. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're, you're just getting this constant deluge of crap. From everyone, wow, and like it's a hard job, and a lot of them have, um, not that our council does, you know, substance abuse issues, for example, or, or stuff like that. It's it's not, it's not as easy as people think. Like people think, oh, you're not working that hard, but, you're always on. Like every time you're in public, you're you're a counselor first, and a, and a person second. As long as mm-hmm. people recognize you, right, you're representative of the city. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that is quite a drain. So I try to maintain, you know, an undercurrent of of sympathy or empathy, I suppose. Uh, Like, when I'm poking fun, although sometimes I am sure that that is not coming through or I've totally blown it. But uh, (laughs) But you're
0: going on the record now saying you're empathetic toward these people.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll always agree with the decisions and stuff that you're making, but I understand, or I'm trying to understand that you're trying to sort of do the best thing you can yeah. at least I hope you are well right, well, right. <laughs> I try to think the best of people <laughs> it's a good way to go through life it's it's easy to to you know sit at your computer and stuff even just going to the meetings and talking and just observing at the meeting you can see a lot of stuff that you wouldn't if you were just like listening to it or watching it online and uh it makes you a bit more polite, and of course, I you know run into some of the counselors outside of meetings and that sort of thing, so you're able to kind of see them as as people and not just this person who is trying to ruin the city and spend all of your tartar and tax dollars
0: right, <laughs> yeah, I, they're very nice people, like I made the point of going to a town hall meeting, I don't know about a year ago or something I think and and it mm-hmm. really did I mean. I don't think I regret how I voted last election, but it mm-hmm. did give me a better personal connection with the mayor and my councillor.
1: Like every time I've run into the mayor on the street, you know, I greet him nicely. I'm, I don't know if, I think he knows who I am, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the rest of his relationship with Twitter, I'm sure, but yes. Well, I don't have I don't have a picture in a lot of stuff, so I don't know if, if people really... <laughs> recognize me just off the street right
0: i guess we're grown-ups now is sponsored by campaign monitor Campaign Monitor enables goodstuff.fm to create beautiful newsletters, and working with them is fun. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, Campaign Monitor is the way to go. Campaign Monitor features Canvas, an easy-to-use builder for creating email newsletters that look great everywhere, including on mobile devices. Thousands of their customers are using Canvas to reinvent what they send. Try creating a template for free at campaignmonitor.com slash canvas thanks to campaign monitor for sponsoring good stuff and I guess we're grown-ups now
1: when was the first time you voted uh, I have actually voted since like the first time I was able to vote actually <laughs> this is funny because people think that my family is like super political or something just because of how I talk or like I have strong opinions and everything but my parents and my family do not talk about politics. Mm-hmm. The I have no idea how my parents vote. Like I can, I can probably guess. The first time we had an election, and I wasn't old enough to vote, but I was sort of aware that people were voting on something. And I asked my mom, I was like, "So how did you vote?" or whatever. And my mom was like, "Well, I could tell you, but then you can't tell anybody else." And I thought about it for a bit. and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I don't think, I don't think I need to know that." So. We talk about you know political issues that affect us. My dad is a farmer, so there's obviously a lot of stuff coming down the pipe that affects him. But we don't we don't uh, argue over political parties here. But it was always you know stressed that voting is something you do. It's part of your of your obligation as a citizen that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're also brought up. My mom is a teacher, which may have something to do with it or may not. But to always sort of be aware of of sort of where your position is in society. And I don't mean like, you know, in a, like a socioeconomic sort of way, just sort of like how the decisions, how your actions affect others and sort of your responsibility to yourself, but also kind of to society as a whole to behave as a good citizen, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And not like an asshole,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so many shades of gray in between those two extremes though. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well i defined being an asshole as is as if everybody behaved the way you were doing if society would fall apart or just be a really nasty place <laughs> to live it's actually it's a pretty good definition that i'm is. glad you got the explicit rating on here i didn't think it was gonna swear but there we go so uh, i i noticed it a lot especially you know like i'm driving to work today and uh i'm sure a lot of people have seen this but i don't know if it's a it's something that's happening now from our society becoming more individualistic, or if it's just something of, you know, me getting older and, mm-hmm. and telling people to get off my lawn. But that seems that like people are are very focused sort of on themselves first and not necessarily on the greater good. Yeah. So anyways, where was I going with this? I think uh, <laughs> um, just
0: a note about that. I think it's always good when you encounter somebody who's clearly thinking of themselves first to try to not generalize that to whether society is thinking of themselves <laughs> first. That, to recognize that this is just an instance of that person thinking of mm-hmm. themselves first and and just going, okay, they're thinking of themselves first. Let's not, you know, slather Generation X or or the baby boomers with the same paintbrush as what this person is clearly wielding. Um, okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. if we just deal with this instance as an instance, I'm not a sociologist. I cannot <laughs> <laughs> I cannot make claims about how everybody is. But that guy just cut me off and he's jerk.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, see, I- I'm still working on that. I-, I just turned 30 this year. So I'm still like, that person cut me off. Society is going to hell. <laughs> and nobody can do anything anymore. Nobody can make a sandwich. So I'm still, you know, working on not judging people as a group uh, <laughs> learn
0: from whenever me, possible.
1: Learn learn from me.
0: Oh, it's much I, easier this way.
1: My husband is much better at this than me, so he's definitely <laughs> been a, a sort of calming influence on, on me being a jerk. But, uh, yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. I guess what I was saying about responsibility in certain yeah. societies, pay attention to politics, to government, and stuff like that is... I think an obligation. I, th- I think you should know something about how your city is run, about how your government makes decisions. You know, like you don't necessarily have to do anything about it, but uh, you know, I don't think it's helping if you don't really know how your even how your country is run or how decisions are made or that sort of stuff or how this stuff, especially with municipal stuff, it affects you on your day to day life mm-hmm. a lot, much more so than federal or provincial. Unless you're at the liquor store, I suppose. Right.
0: <laughs> um, related to that, so I mean, voter apathy is like a huge mm-hmm. problem at all levels, especially mm-hmm. municipal, which is ironic given the influence municipal affairs has on our day-to-day life. Do you think it's better to vote even if you're not necessarily knowledgeable and haven't done your homework in a le- in in an election? <laughs> or if if you know nothing, if
1: you haven't educated, is it still worthwhile using your vote? That's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. Like, what did you think about apathy? I find it hard. I mean, I try to vote yeah. every every chance I get.
0: <laughs> the first time I voted, it was about a week after I turned 18. I was living in this tiny town in Saskatchewan, and and we were voting for mayor. and. One of the things Mm -hmm. on the ballot was whether you would be allowed to snowmobile in town.
1: (laughs) Hey, I think I went to school in that town, a very similar (laughs) town. The answer, I think, was yes. And if it was no, it was going to be, we're going to do it anyways. So there. Well, exactly right. I think it got voted (laughs) down, but that didn't stop anybody from
0: snowmobiling through town. Especially on, like, Christmas Day, when the cops were certainly not. The cops, who, by the way, were stationed in the next town over they were certainly oh, yeah. not working. Anyway, <laughs> so I try to vote whether whether I've done my homework or not. And I mean, that I find myself voting for city councillors or for uh, especially school board nominees mm-hmm. who I know really nothing about. I mean, I might even base my vote on something as irrelevant as gender or ethnicity of their last name or something like that like is that better than Legit? not voting at all like i
1: don't know well should i spoil I, my ballot I will just eat it yeah wait is that illegal in canada oh yeah it's, it's illegal. illegal
0: it's illegal to eat okay
1: yeah i think Good you can know. like write on it or something or be like you know write in justin bieber or something yeah <laughs> yeah i i won't say that i haven't sort of guessed a couple times especially on the school board thing which is terrible because the school board actually controls a lot like half of your taxes go to the school board like to education right yeah yeah like which is a crazy amount of money like half of your people don't realize this too like uh thousands of dollars a year yeah
0: whereas you're sending pennies to like the war
1: effort in afghanistan yeah Half of your half of your property taxes go goes for education. The other half goes to the city. So you think you're paying the city for all this stuff, and it's like, well, really, just half of your stuff is paying for all of your city services. Yeah. Or half of your taxes. Anyways, um, I won't say that I haven't like at, le- at least try, especially with the internet. I at least mm-hmm. try to make a good faith effort to to find out who I'm voting for, even when I was in university, and it was like totally obsessed with just, like, going to class and then, you know, guys. Even in university, I would at least try to get my hands on a copy of the paper, and because I was, a, like, as a good student, right, like, you have to do your homework before voting, so at least, like, cram for, like, five minutes before, the, before you go to the polls on, you know, the basics right. on each person's uh, sort of position, I, I guess, or, or history background. As to whether it's a good thing to vote if you don't know anything, well, first of all, I would say, like, please try to find something out. Like, even when I was, you know, first able to vote and we lived on the farm and have no internet, still have no internet, I was able to at least read the paper that would have, like, you know, the positions of everyone in a big charter, however they did it. At least try to find something out. If if you if you can't or you're not able or you don't want to, I think you should still at least go out and vote, even if you spoil your ballot or something like that, because it's it shows turnout. And turnout can be spun a number of ways. Mm -hmm. There are some political parties that they know they benefit by actively discouraging people to vote and by driving down turnout and stuff like that. So even if if you're turning out and you're kind of ignorant, which is fine, or you just you spoil your ballot or you, you don't vote for anyone, I think it's still better than not doing it at all because if you don't vote at all, then abstaining your abstaining thing can be interpreted it can be spun any number of ways by the people in power or the people not in power you know the whole silent majority straw man which i dislike. that's my position you know but i would say first you like it's pretty easy to get information now on on candidates and you can usually figure out on apathy and stuff like that um i think with a lot of the things is that people assume that first they have to kind of convince you that that politics is important or that you should vote and I just skip over that I just start talking about politics and or like issues and stuff like that yeah. and it like I've run into people like you know I even had I had a 17 year old in job shadowing me at work the problem Hill shooting happened that week And she's like this, you know, 17-year-old high school girl. Like, you remember how we all were kind of at a small town high school and you're just just figuring out how you're going to leave and and get your life in order and that sort of thing. But even then, uh, we were talking in a measured, you know, adult way about how this issue affects us and structural things and like mental health supports and all comes around to impact you in a certain way. And I think some people would have looked at her and said, oh, you don't look like you're interested in this sort of thing. But I just mm-hmm. assume that everyone is interested. And most people are, even some of my friends or my siblings or whatever, are like, oh, I don't care about politics. And I'm like, well, politics is just gossip. <laughs> and most people like gossip, like it's, it is a lot of it is, it's like gossip that controls the city. So I just sort of, you know ignore that first question that I have to persuade People to be interested in I'm like well I'm Interested in it and I can talk to, to you about It in an interesting way I hope Which will make you Interested in it it can be like really Super dry if you want it To be but it doesn't always have to be That way so That's my position on, on Apathy that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah no, I think
0: that's a good point like people Say they don't care about
1: Politics but mm-hmm. They do. They just call it something else. Well, and a lot of the stuff, too, is easy to get jaded, especially if if you just read, you know, a certain point of view. Or it's easy to just say, oh, not this again. Oh, not this again. Oh, not mm-hmm. this again. And a lot of the stuff is quite nuanced. And there's actually a lot of good uh, Canadian politics books coming out, too. People think politics and history is boring, but it's not if you're reading the right stuff
0: <laughs> yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see how the um the sexual harassment you know, mm-hmm. complaints on parliament hill is gonna shake out i think john did does all a huge favor
1: oh that's man. a terrible way of phrasing <laughs> it
0: but um is hitting the fan in a big big interesting way in a lot of different arenas that I don't think we're prepared for dealing with, like curtains being thrown back. Mm -hmm. And I think Parliament Hill is definitely one of those.
1: Yeah, I think, and more and more people are coming out, like, was it Sheila Copps today Mm -hmm. was talking? It just sort of takes one or two, you know, strong, I don't want to say strong and that other people are weak, but one or two people who can kind of stand up against the flow and say no this isn't cool and it'll be enough to to change to change some stuff but also you can't with a caveat is that you can't look at twitter and be like this is how all of canada thinks because i think it's like what 10 percent or something like that even less
0: and very sort of liberal (laughs) leaning and yeah yeah at least the twitter i tend to wade in is very yeah
1: Yeah, it's easy to kind of create your own little echo chamber on Twitter, I will say that much. I would hope that it would change some stuff, or at least give people an in to discussing it. Because I know, and I was brought up in a pretty solid, well-educated family. We don't have a lot of exciting things going on in my extended family. But even I know, you know, people in my extended circle of friends and acquaintances who've been uh, affected by something like that. I don't think that there's anyone really who hasn't been affected, you know, either directly or indirectly by, you know, domestic violence or intimate partner violence or stuff like that. And they think that, you know, other people have these these great lives. But I think everyone is, is touched by it in some way, but we're not really, haven't got to the point where we're sort of Talking about it in terms of this is this is systemic, or this is endemic. Besides voting, what what is an
0: easiest thing to do to get involved in government at some level? Let's let's say civic level, municipal level.
1: An easy way to do it is actually to go to open houses, and I know I've expressed jadedness about. The value of some of the open houses because it seems like you're just getting like one or two options to pick from. It's definitely some are better than others. So I'll stop qualifying that. But uh, <laughs> the open houses are good in that oftentimes you are able to speak directly with city employees, like directly with planners, directly with engineers. You get your feedback uh, from them. And the city employees love it when intelligent people come out. And talk to them intelligent citizens sometimes even have pop and coffee and cookies which is also a bonus but it's it's not like most of them are drop in drop out so it's easy to just you know park while you're going to the mall and like go in for 20 minutes have a look around get caught up on some stuff and and talk to a couple city employees leave a feedback form and feel like you're contributing in some way Mm -hmm. and if you start taking the open houses more seriously really showing up some stuff gets a lot of attention like the bike lane stuff gets a ton of attention the infill stuff gets a ton of attention a lot of the the neighborhood stuff not so much i remember reading i was reading a city agenda either for last year or this this spring or something like that and they had a public meeting in about some new townhouses condos in rosewood the only people who showed up were like the city employees and the city councilor, Aww. and there was I think it was one of the things they had in the summer, so like they're like oh everybody's gone or something like that. Right, but well that open sucks because next <laughs> yeah, time they go should we have an open house
0: about this? And then yeah, it's like no,
1: yeah, yeah, and in a lot of the stuff there's a there's a small core of really committed people who go to everything and they always make a point to to go there and get heard and their concerns are. If you're not going out and you're not getting heard, your stuff, your concerns may not be prioritized. Right. So try not to be too cynical about that and (laughs) try to go to those would be an easy way to get in. Because doing something that I do, like reading the city council agenda, sometimes those are like 500 pages. They're not really accessible in that they're written quite technically, they're quite dry right they're like (laughs) you know business meeting jargon filled yeah you know motions all that stuff it's it's not really you know something you want to relax with some scotch in the evening and read (laughs) (laughs) or maybe you do i don't know i don't drink scotch (laughs) scotch
0: yes minutes (laughs) agendas no
1: yeah just sort of getting on a footing with because often Sometimes too at the open houses you get the contact information for the person in charge or like the planner who's handling this and then you're often able to email them later with something that you thought of or whatever mm-hmm. not like harass them but you know if you think something else like that because they actually do like hearing from people and they like hearing from people who are you know organized and coherent because it helps give them arguments when they're they're putting together their reports and stuff like that, right. and you know they can point to to feedback, which helps them.
0: What makes you optimistic
1: looking at local politics in general?
0: Is there hope for Saskatoon, Canadian American cities? I'm
1: normally fairly optimistic, you know, d- despite my protestations to the <laughs> to the opposite. I, I was usually a fairly happy person, believe it or not. Yes. But the nature of bureaucracies and governments and that sort of stuff is that it takes them a very long time to turn around, I suppose, or to even change change tax slightly. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about Saskatoon is that technically, you know, we are we're quite small and we should be able to to implement stuff quickly. We should be able to jump around or like, you know, try new things a little quicker than say somebody like even Calgary or Toronto or Vancouver or something like that. On the other hand, we don't have as many resources as they do, I suppose. On the whole, I am optimistic in that I'm in the process of reading a lot of, you know, Canadian history and stuff like that. And a common thread throughout it is just like everybody thought their decade was going to be the worst decade and that the history was going to be bad. And I generally think that, you know, things are not going to be perfect, but things will work out if you have committed people oh what's what's the line a a small dedicated group of people will change the world because it's indeed it's the only thing that ever has Mm -hmm. um so i i like to i like to think that well i have to think that things are are going to turn out okay otherwise it's it's not very much fun (laughs) in my daily life but um anyways what were we talking about optimism (laughs) optimism well you can you can kind of see it too in canada like on a federal level when you have leaders talking about hope and you have leaders talking about fear and you can see that people are motivated by fear but the effects of talking about hope and using a hopeful outlook i think are resonate more and sort of I think speak to us more as Canadians on a longer term basis that we can, we can be forced to do so quickly out of fear. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, we move the the arc bends towards hope, I suppose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, nobody wants to live in a country governed by fear. You know, it's not very enjoyable. Right. But of course you also have stuff from history. This is, this week was the anniversary of the Berlin wall coming down. And you know, people, when did that come down? 1989? 89. Yeah. You know people in 1987 they thought the wall was gonna stand forever, forever. Like, oh this yeah. is gonna be this is how things will be in the future and for them to say like you know two years from now this wall is going to be gone they may not have believed you but so you think that this stuff is permanent or this is how it's always going to be uh things can change clo- slowly but things can also change really really quickly too right I remember
0: I was 17 that year and so I was your 17 year old, you know, student studying in Mm -hmm. the day. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember, I mean, I had just learned in social Mm -hmm. studies in the last couple of years about the Berlin wall and all that it meant and how permanent Mm -hmm. it was and how it clearly made this political division in the world about, you know, Mm -hmm. communism versus um, democracy. And the notion that that was basically over or forever. Well, I then it seemed like it was over. Now it just seems like it was kind of changed.
1: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: But I mean, that is that is huge. It changes not only your worldview about that particular place in the world, but also your
1: sense of what can be done. Stuff can change really yeah. quickly. And what people I don't think realize is that A lot of the stuff that we think is like solid and unchanging, like, you know, Canadian values and stuff like that, that can be manipulated. That can change within a generation. Mm -hmm. You know, that can even change, you change, like we change our priorities or our, you know, our moral compass. You know, I don't expect to be the same person in five years. I'm sure I'll have matured and become less of a smart ass, that sort of thing. But uh, like, I know that the one thing is that change is a constant. You can either resist it or you can you can lean into it mm-hmm. if you lean into it it'll be a little easier on yourself it's like skiing you know you're at the t- <laughs> i found this out early with skiing is that if you're afraid you'll get hurt if you, if you lean back when you're skiing if you lean back you lock up your knees you try to, you think oh my god i'm going too fast i'm going too fast you will probably crash like you'll probably fall over because you're not in control if you lean forward and engage your legs look up look ahead. You can control your direction. You can control your speed. You're not. You're not. You realize that you're not going as fast as you thought you were. Hmm. So that's my skiing metaphor. I have lots of them. (laughs) I love metaphors. That's good. Do you
0: have favorite movies about politics?
1: Well, I hate The West Wing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get so much hate mail for that. I'm gonna get so much hate mail. I don't like Aaron Sarkin. I don't think he can write women well. I found all of his women super annoying. Right. So I stopped watching it. Uh, Anyways. Also, his guys are 92. I did like Sports Night, I suppose. Anyways, political stuff. Probably my favorite political movie is In the Loop. <laughs> In the Loop. I don't know that Which, one. Uh, it's based on the British uh, shorts, TV shows with the current guy who's Doctor Who. He plays um, Malcolm Tucker. What is it? It's called In the Thick of It. And it's just this horribly funny black humor like just this incredibly depressing look at behind the scenes at british politics and it, it's actually a british politics is a little similar more similar to ours uh in the loop is an american version of that it's a movie and it has the same guys in it and like james gandolfini and something like that and, and focus i think on the discovery of wmds in iraq mm-hmm. and it's just it's just this farce and <laughs> apparently it's not really too far off of what actually went on behind the scenes is just a lot of people running around and like people making up reports and leaking stuff and just like these petty little political battles, and it's, it's screamingly hilarious and also terrifying in the fact that it might actually be somewhat accurate. I th- I'm sure you could find it. I forgot yeah, what year oh, it yeah. came out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's also a lot of swearing in it. So don't watch it with your children I suppose
0: <laughs> or your parents depending on what kind of family you have yeah
1: Yeah, might be a little awkward did anyway, you ever see Dave I think I saw the previews for that but I haven't watched it
0: it's actually super good it's, it's kind where, of interesting it's where a guy who's a an impersonator of the president gets a job in being the president because the president's fallen into a coma after having sex with a prostitute <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so his, so the staff hire this impersonator to be the president for a while. And so it's this oh, dear. normal guy. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a comedy, but it's only kind of a comedy. Like, it's actually an interesting look at the disconnect between being a politician and being a real person. And You're not, not actually a real person. <laughs> right. Like, the president yeah. in this movie was not a real person his life was a complete sham and so it was easy for this impersonator dave to step in and be him because because both guys were just acting being the president made you think too much about
1: <laughs> <laughs> perhaps the the qualifications of your leaders i suppose yeah
0: oh yeah to i mean let's not think about who the american presidents are Um, anything else, any other important points you want to make about being a good,
1: responsible citizen? Clear your sidewalk, if you have one. Just think about, you know, being a good citizen. like, well, just driving, like, I, I drove to work today, and just the ways in that people are just trying to run around and cut each other off and all that sort of stuff. Just to gain, you know, a couple seconds or something like that. Yeah. And I think maybe we'd be all be a little bit better if we could just sort of relax and step back and I don't know, see the larger picture. I don't think this will ever happen. Like I said before, sort of seeing how you fit into the larger framework of a city and, and how that functions when you're functioning as a unit, I suppose. How very socialist of me. <laughs> 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 yeah. <communist> view. <laughs> yeah,
0: I am. Um, I remember commuting in Toronto. I lived there for a decade. And my road rage, which I was really prone to the first few years I lived there. But mm-hmm. it subsided mm-hmm. a lot when my mantra at four way stops became, <laughs> we're all in this together. Like, yeah, like, literally, none of us have a different goal than the other person speaking of communism. We all want exactly the same thing, and when you're well, commuting, that's just getting to wherever you're going. But, like, nobody at a four way stop wants anything different than anybody else wants.
1: No, and,
0: and if you all it's, act like that, then
1: it's better, yes. Well, assuming that everybody like wants to get to work, I'm sure it's just <laughs> obligated to get to work. It's Uh, funny how badly
0: everybody wants to get to work as soon as they're behind the wheel of their car, but nobody actually
1: wants to be at work. Well, they don't want to get to work badly enough to get in their car five minutes earlier. We'll just say that. (laughs) But yeah, so much would be solved if everyone just left a little bit earlier. There's even like, I've noticed driving to the north end from the east side, people complain about rush hour. There's a gap in between the 8 and 8.30 wave oh. and that we can hit it just right and you can get from get from home to work in like 12 minutes. If you just leave, it's like five minutes earlier than our normal time, which is hilarious because everybody's just waiting to the last possible second and then like driving like mad to their work. Paul and I bike in the summer to work and that's how I keep my stress level low while the exercise helps too. I'm just saying to other people, I'm on a bike. I just want to get to work without dying. You want to get to work without dying, I want to get to work without dying. Right. I'm going to assume that you want to get to work without hitting me, but, you know, that's not always a given.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in the end, you know, we're just two people trying to get to work and our, our ch- choice of modes is not really a consequence here. Right. What do you think the worst thing about being a grown-up is? Is in the fact that if you don't control yourself, nobody else will. You can't expect other people to come in And tell you to do stuff or take charge of your life. Well, within limits, obviously. A lot of what you want out of life or a lot of the outcomes to a certain degree are sort of controlled by what you put in, ignoring like structural factors, obviously, that sort of thing. And that's something I'm still learning is how to use the finite resource of willpower, I suppose, to get where you want to be or to, you know, do what you want to do. So that at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I'm okay with what I accomplished. Like you feel okay about yourself. So that's something I'm constantly working on is, uh, if you don't control yourself. Nobody will. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, your husband and your, your partner could try, but generally it doesn't end very well. Uh, L-O-L. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think the best thing about being an adult is? Oh, man, being able to like set your own schedule. Yeah. Totally the best. Growing up on the farm, and my parents very much set the tone of the day. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to finish my book, and I'm going to play PS2, and it's going to be awesome. And then you get up, and you have cereal. Well, you have oatmeal first, because you can't have sugary cereal before you have oatmeal. And <laughs> it was the way of my parents' Like trying to get the sugary cereal to at least last longer than one day because you have five kids and one box of corn pops it doesn't last very long Um, and then dad would come in and be like nope we're going to go fix fence or we're going to go shovel manure and you would have like no advance warning and like your whole day of finishing your book or playing need for speed would be ruined and you'd be out fixing fence for four hours or picking rocks or shoveling manure and you'd go in and like half supper and the dad would come in and be like oh now we gotta go feed the cows and you'd be out feeding the cows till like 10 o'clock at night so you never knew when you'd have a chunk of time to yourself so i very much enjoy as an adult I came here to university and I remember being in res and I was like so upset to be away from my family obviously I was the oldest and then I woke up the one Saturday I was like I don't have to tell anyone where I am (laughs) and I do whatever I want I've got a bus pass I can walk around the city you know I didn't have a car but who cared I was like well I'm gonna walk to Dairy Queen and have a blizzard for breakfast because I can and I did and it felt terrible I had a stomach ache for the rest of the day but you know I could do it (laughs) and it was well obviously I still remember that you know 12 years later great just being able to you know within within reason obviously like I mean I still have to go to work I sign up for volunteer commitments and that sort of stuff but just being able to next weekend we're going to go to Calgary be able to follow follow through on it so that's that's what I enjoy about being an adult nice (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Where I'm most active is on Twitter at The Other Hillary. And if when I do get my website going up, I'm sure I will be advertising it a lot on there. Nice. You guys should also listen to and go to r-y-x-e, O-U-R-Y-X-E dot C-A. It's a Saskatoon focused or, or themed urbanist site discussing urban urbanist uh sort of principles with the saskatoon flavor nice is the way to put it yeah and the podcasts are really good too jordan and sean do a really good job of bringing in interesting people to talk with and about the city and some provincial politics too so it's really interesting to listen to excellent all
0: right thanks so much for being <laughs> a guest tonight and it's been amazing talking with you
1: oh thank you for letting me talk for like an hour what a pleasure awesome.
0: <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of I guess we're grown-ups now show links can be found at goodstuff.fm/ grown-ups/ eight If you have comments or questions tweet at me at grown-ups underscore fm If you want to be notified of all new episodes when they come out subscribe through iTunes where you can also leave a rating or review if you like what you hear. My thanks to our sponsor, Campaign Monitor. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, get in touch using the contact links at goodstuff.fm slash grownups.